0: I am a firm believer that we're never going to end the stigma surrounding mental illness until we put our names and faces on our stories, because we need to be talking about it because it normalizes it. It makes it equivalent to physical health, and mental health should be treated the same as physical
1: health. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Jennifer Marshall, the founder of This Is My Brave. Jennifer Marshall created This Is My Brave, the leading platform for individuals to share their story of overcoming mental illness through creative expression. Jennifer formed the organization after experiencing a positive outpouring of support following the publication of her own story on a well-known news website. Jennifer wanted to provide that same opportunity that she had to others living with mental illness. She envisioned a theater show concept and together with her co-founder Anne-Marie Ames, launched the project on Kickstarter. The project was successfully funded within 31 days, raising over $10,000 to create the inaugural show, and the movement became a non organization the following year. Jennifer's personal blog, originally titled BipolarMomLife.com, now at JenniferMarshall.me, was named Healthline Bipolar Blog of the Year for four years in a row, from 2014 to 2017. She has been featured on the front page of the Washington Post, in O, the Oprah Magazine, in BP Hope Magazine, as well as having been interviewed for podcasts and local publications speaking on the importance of sharing stories of triumph despite mental illness to end stigma. Jennifer gave a TED Talk in October of 2016 entitled Mental Illness, Being Brave Saves Lives, and the following year, she spoke at the National Council on Mental Wellness. She also speaks regularly at mental health and storytelling conferences everywhere. Jennifer has been recognized for her great work with the prestigious Clifford W. Beers Award by Mental Health America and was named Washingtonian of the Year by Washingtonian Magazine. Listen in for some great takeaways about how Jennifer is bringing mental health to the forefront and helping many others who struggle share their stories to help themselves, their communities, and the world. Well, hello, everybody. I have the pleasure today of being with Jennifer Marshall, the founder of This Is My Brave, and I am excited to have this conversation with her today. Welcome to the show, Jennifer.
0: Thanks, Larry. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you for doing this, taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. Can you share with our listeners, I want to give them like a 10,000-foot view about who you are and what This Is My Brave is all about.
0: I live with type one bipolar disorder. I'm a mom, a wife. I have two kids, but I also have this condition, which is a lifelong condition that you learn to manage. And I basically found that sharing my story was very therapeutic and helped me to heal. And I was writing on a blog about my journey and living with bipolar. And it led me to be recognized by an editor who then published my work online on a bigger platform than my blog and it got noticed by a lot of people and people reached out to me and said, thank you so much for sharing your story. Like I know someone or my sister or my aunt, or I live with it too. And they were just so grateful to hear from another person that was living successfully with it. I went through a a number of rough, rough years four hospitalizations within five years, but I got through it and I wanted other people to know that they could get through it too. When I had that opportunity to be on featured on a bigger platform, I wanted to give others the same opportunity. And I came up with the concept of a stage show where people from the community could tell their stories through creative expression. So poetry, music, essay, comedy, dance. I put it out there on Kickstarter to get the funding I needed to, to put the show on. Within 31 days, we had raised over $10,000. So we had the money to do the show. The first show was a tremendous success. And then people in other cities wanted to do it too. So we created a toolkit. My co-founder and I created a toolkit on how to do it. It led to the expansion of This Is My Brave, which turned into a national nonprofit organization that has created over 90 plus shows in cities across the country. There's even a branch of our nonprofit in Australia.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So can you give us a little idea of, I know you touched on at a high level, the shows, what are those like? What do they entail? And is that all really This Is My Brave is focused on or are there other things as well?
0: That's the main focus and the mission of This Is My Brave is to provide a platform for individuals to share their stories their true stories live on stage. It's such a freeing and healing experience to be a part of a show in a community. And that's what it is. Basically, when we go out to create a show, we put out the call for storytellers, saying that we're gonna be doing this initiative, this show, and people apply and audition to be in the show, basically, because we need to know that they have put in some thought and creativity into creating their piece. And they audition and then a cast is selected of about 12 people. And a variety of conditions are explained on stage basically through this expression of creativity. And the audience really feels a connection to the person on stage. It's hard to describe. It's hard to put into words. But at the end of every show, people in the lobby are hugging and crying and just connecting because it's something to know that you're not alone. It really is something.
1: Listen, I'm in complete alignment with you. I think as the listeners are aware, I lost my brother-in-law to suicide back in 2004. And one of the things that he would say to us constantly and consistently was people don't understand what I'm going through. I think one thing that has certainly changed for the better, I wouldn't say we're there yet, but we have improved significantly since that time 19 years ago or so, is that people are speaking about it more. People are talking about it more. People are understanding a little bit more. And I think that with folks like you sharing your own personal story, encouraging others to share their stories, it just shows those that maybe have trouble or have a condition that there is hope, on the other side, and they're not the only ones going through it. So thank you for that. I think it's extremely worthwhile and extremely helpful to those out there that are feeling similar to the way you do and the countless others that are taking part in these events with you.
0: It's so true. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more we can understand. One of the teams that we've worked with over the last couple of years said, you shouldn't be afraid of what goes on in your head because it doesn't make you less tough. It just makes you human. And when she said that, I was just like, yeah, it's so true.
1: Great point. You started your blog, my understanding is over 10 years ago, and you did that anonymously from the outset. What prompted you to step out of the shadows and put your name to this blog as opposed to just continuing in the direction that you started it?
0: I felt as though I wasn't being truly authentic when I was writing anonymously. I felt like just a shadow of myself. And I really knew that in order to connect with my audience, I had some readers in the very beginning, but it wasn't long after I started writing that I realized I am proud of who I am despite having this lifelong condition. And I am proud of the way I'm managing it because that's all you can do is manage it. There's no cure for bipolar disorder. I finally, even though those close to me were saying, don't risk it, there could be discrimination or kickback, backlash. You just don't know. And I still was willing to take that risk because if I could have helped one person by putting my name and my face on my story, I wanted to do it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, rightfully so. I think those great points and this is my brave really highlights that. I guess I'm curious when you first started writing it, was that the name of the blog or did that kind of all manifest after?
0: It manifested after. The name of the blog was actually Bipolar Mom Life. Just something simple. I wanted people to be able to go to Google and Google bipolar and mom and find me and my blog ended up ranking high up there over time and people did find me that way. And so this is my brave came later. And the story behind that is that the Sarah Bareilles song brave was super popular at the time when we were concepting the show. And I kept coming back to the word brave because people would say, you're so brave to put it all out there. And, and the thing is, it's not again, it goes back to it's not brave. I'm just being human. I'm being myself. But still, there was an element to the bravery, the courage it takes to stand up on stage in front of a live audience and share your story.
1: Yeah, I mean, that just sums it up completely right there. And I think probably did really well because the title of the blog was so SEO compatible that people were able to find it right away. So sure, that was a help, which is Very good. I always believe things are meant to be. And if you had titled it, this is my brave from the outset, maybe it didn't get as much traction that way. So who knows? I heard you started this blog about mental health, really when your children were only toddlers, right? How do you think the fact that you've been so transparent, so open, how do you think that that's shaped your kids as far as who they are today?
0: I think it's shaped them into incredibly empathetic and supportive and loving kids. And actually, I mentioned before when I had started writing, I had gone through four hospitalizations within five years, then started writing anonymously. But also my co-founder of This Is My Brave Tragically passed away very suddenly from a heart attack in 2017. And when she died, I went through a fifth manic episode and landed in the hospital. And the kids actually saw the beginning of mania before my husband was able to get me to the hospital. And they were seven and nine at the time. I had always talked about it with them, but at a level that they could understand. And they had always seen me healthy. They never saw me sick at that point because I had been so healthy. So it was an experience as a family that we had to go through and we talked about it. And then my son, a couple years later, actually just like a year and a half ago, wrote about it for his English class and wrote a children's book. And we ended up publishing it and putting it on Amazon. So it's self-published and it's illustrated by a professional illustrator. It's called Mom's Mental Illness, the name of the book. It just goes to show that we should be talking openly about mental illness with our kids from an early age because they can understand it. And the more they hear you talk about it, the less scary it is for them.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And I've spoken about it personally, similarly to you, from the time my kids were extremely young, we would educate them and talk to them about their uncle. Keithy, who was in here, very age appropriate early on. It was a disease of the brain and this, that, and the other thing. And very, very specific to their age because you don't want to give them too much to fear or frighten them. You want to give them an understanding. And as they got older, they started understanding more and more about what happened. And I really feel like it's really shaped them as people in terms of being on the lookout for. Friends and other family members that might be struggling and be able to identify that and reach out to them and feel comfortable talking either to us or somebody else if they're having struggles. So it doesn't have to be mental illness. I mean, that's obviously your calling and where you and your family, just having that dialogue about mental health in general, I think is so healthy for a family. And if you need help, there are plenty of resources out there to help you do that in an age appropriate way. And I think it's incredibly helpful. Why do you think, because I'm sure this goes beyond your kids, right? And your immediate family, Because of what you're doing, why do you feel it's so important to normalize talking about mental health and mental illness in terms of not just on the family front, but in general terms as well?
0: I am a firm believer that we're never going to end the stigma surrounding mental illness until we put our names and faces on our stories because we need to be talking about it because it normalizes it, it makes it equivalent to physical health and mental health should be treated the same as physical health. It's just as important, if not more important, our brain, the most important organ in our body, which fortunately we know the least about, but it's just the more we share our stories, the more people can understand the less judged and discriminated upon they will be. It just makes it easier to get through when you are talking about it and sharing your story.
1: Yeah, and I kind of glossed over something earlier and I apologize. I'm very sorry to hear about the passing of your co-founder and my condolences to you. What have you seen from the This Is My Brave and these performances that you've seen? Could you maybe share one instance that you're like, man, this thing really resonated with me and left an impact on me that one of these folks that stepped forward kind of told their story in a framework that was in a way that they wanted to relay it in their medium? Would you be open to sharing something that impacted you from that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are so many incredible stories from our stages and Everyone should know, too, that all of our shows are have been professionally videotaped and they're on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search This Is My Brave. But one in particular stands out, and it was from our 2015 New York City show. The woman is Danielle Fiorello. And she just blew me away with her performance because she was the last person to go In the show. So I neglected to mention that the shows are produced by local producers, volunteers who step forward to organize a show. The producers had selected the order of the cast and they put Danielle last for a reason, I think, because she gets up on stage to the microphone and basically says, I am feeling extreme anxiety right now. Like she almost didn't get up there. She almost walked off the stage because she was so anxious, but she pushed through it. And she told the story of a suicide attempt that obviously wasn't completed. And thank God it wasn't. And she was there to tell the story of I survived for a reason. And the reason is to show you that there is hope and it does get better. And then she sat down at the piano and played the most uplifting, gorgeous song you had ever heard called Look in the Mirror, basically saying, look in the mirror at yourself and know that you can get through this. And it was just so moving. And she got a standing ovation. And so it just really, really was touching. And she's doing really well today. The great thing about our shows is that for people, it's almost they say it's like a transformative experience for their life. Like it's a turning point almost. So it's neat to think that we had that impact on them as people.
1: That's a great story. And I'm sure there are so many more, like you mentioned, that are similar to that and so impactful. And I think just as somebody out as an outsider who's not in the medical field at all, I would think it's just as therapeutic for them telling the story as it is for the folks hearing it, it probably works just as well for both sides. It does. Do you feel like if you're not willing to share your story, Does that mean you're not brave or does it mean you're not there yet? What does that mean for people who aren't comfortable sharing their story yet? Is there something that you can share with them that potentially would have them maybe rethinking about that?
0: Definitely. I've said in talks I've given over the years that you might not be ready to tell your story or you might not want to tell your story. You may not see yourself on stage in front of the live audience that's okay. But to be able to tell your story to just one person, if you are able to do that, to open up to a trusted loved one or friend, you would be pleasantly surprised at the response. And the reason I say that is because over the years, I through This Is My Brave, my work at This Is My Brave, I had the opportunity to travel across the country to meet tons of people. And when I was traveling, when I'd be sitting in in an airplane next to two people, inevitably, you'd strike up a conversation about what do you do? And I would tell them, I create these mental health shows. And 99.9% of the time, they would tell me their story about them or about a loved one who's going through something. We're all affected by mental health. I would say, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And if you're not ready now, you may be ready someday. So
1: Similar to you, I find like everybody's got a story. If it's not them directly, it's an immediate family member. If it's not an immediate family member, it's an extended family member. And if it's not in the family, it's somebody that they work with or they're friends with. But it seems like everybody has a story. And I think the more we share it, the more we normalize that, as you said earlier, I think the better off we'll all be. Every day, roughly 3,000 high school students attempt suicide. And that stat is heartbreaking beyond belief. And I hope saying that, just saying that, 3,000 high school students and people hearing that, it settles in and opens up some eyes. What do you think can be done to start stemming that tide in terms of that number and the gravity of that?
0: It goes back to conversations, open conversations, and being able to recognize there are signs and symptoms to be able to recognize, but also just to create a supportive environment in which kids aren't afraid to ask for help. And that starts at home. It starts in schools. It starts in after-school activities with coaches. I think it's more training needs to be done, more awareness needs to be built and I think that happens over time but I think as we've seen in the news more and more there is a crisis among our teenagers and I think that for one I think it starts at home and the adults the adults are the caregivers and the front lines so I think just being able to be aware and be there when the kids need to talk is huge.
1: I agree. We got to keep open dialogue. There's so much pressure put on kids. It seems like younger and younger. And I think that we're not going to solve all the problems. But if we get them talking and verbalizing and having those conversations, it's got to be helpful and letting them know that they're not the only one because a lot of times in those teenage years, you feel like this is only happening to me and me alone. And at 3,000 a day, that means Those are folks that are actually attempting. So you can multiply that number of times people are actually struggling, and it's a far greater number. If we get them starting to talk and, and sharing, I think is helpful. Dovetailing off the high school students for a moment, one thing that's becoming more and more prevalent is social media use. I think it's going downstream, meaning kids are starting to use it at younger ages. And we've heard a lot about the downsides of social media and some of the detriments that it may cause impacting our youth. But I've also heard you speak about the power of social media to show the struggle in order to possibly raise more awareness. How do you think social media should be used to help our youth? And why do you think it's so critical to utilize that tool to help mitigate the impact and the struggle that goes along with it?
0: I think social media is such a powerful tool and can be used for good. I think We see a lot of the negatives about it. In fact, my current work with Principal Pictures, we highlight the work of Anastasia Vlasova, who is an activist, and she tells her story in the film. So the, the film is called Our Turn to Talk, and it features young people telling their stories honestly and raw and just really beautifully telling their stories of what they've gone through. And she tells the story of going through depression and anxiety and attributing it and an eating disorder, attributing it to social media use. So there are downfalls, but I think when kids are able to create boundaries and when they're able to set limits and that parents can help with that, then I think that they can find ways to use it effectively and to not allow it to harm their mental health anastasia in the film talks about how she was interviewed by the wall street journal about her use of instagram and how it affected her mental health and she ended up making the decision believe it or not as a teenager to take herself off of that medium so she deleted her instagram account deleted her snapchat her TikTok, all the channels she was using and only uses linkedin and she's using it professionally. I think that kids, there's going to be a learning curve. They're going to adopt trends. But I think as long as we can teach them how to use it in a balanced way, I think there can be good that can come of it.
1: I would imagine we also need to put tools on those platforms for the young folk to see and understand. So they have... Because a lot of them are spending a lot of time there, right? So to put up tools and and recommendations and techniques, I think is vitally important to have in those means and methods so that they can see and hear it and we're delivering it to them and they can consume it when and if they need it, right?
0: Yeah, and I think it also, again, goes back to home. Parents, they see you. They see you using it. They model after what they see. And so I think just... As parents, we need to also have limits and boundaries ourselves.
1: Yeah, Let's talk about parents for a minute, right? Because you mentioned it earlier and you've mentioned it over some of the time that I've been following you and you've been very open about your own need for immediate care. What tips do you have for parents out there? You know, we're talking about the kids and their struggles, but there are also parents that are having struggles as well. What tips do you have for parents who are in that situation? Going back to your point, we don't want to alarm them. We want them to be educated and understand and hopefully one day they're like your child did, create a book out of it and share their kind of view of the world from when they were going through it. But what can we as parents do to help educate and somewhat insulate a little bit, depending upon their age in terms of what we're going through in our struggles?
0: It, again, goes back to open conversations, but talking to them at their level. So when I'm going through a rough time, and I mentioned this past year and a half has been Very, very difficult for me managing my bipolar disorder. But I'm always honest with my kids. And if I'm having a depressive episode, they see it. They're not oblivious to it. They see me laying on the couch. They see me not able to do the activities that I used to enjoy. And I just have to say, I'm going through a tough time. I'm working with my doctor. And they see when I have a psychiatrist appointment, I say, I'm going into my office, I have my virtual appointment, just them knowing that I'm getting the care, I think is enough to reassure them that mom's going to get better. They've seen me get better in the past. They know it's possible. So just being honest with them and showing them that I'm reaching out for the proper support, I think is really crucial.
1: Yeah, I agree. Thank you for sharing that. What are the next big things for Jennifer Marshall? And this is my brave Do you have anything new and exciting that's coming up in the near future that you're really excited about and is going to be a tool to potentially help countless others?
0: Well, This Is My Brave continues to put on incredible shows across the country. So if you're interested in experiencing a This Is My Brave show, I would definitely say go to the website and check out where we're going to be. I have actually moved on from This Is My Brave. I will always be the founder, but I left at the end of 2021 to pursue a position with Principal Pictures, and which is a documentary film company that created the first film on This Is My Brave, which is a short documentary, which is on our YouTube channel, but then also created Our Turn to Talk. So Our Turn to Talk is making its way across the country in screenings, In communities all over. And you can also view it on YouTube. So search Our Turn to Talk on YouTube. It's an hour long film, again, featuring five brave and incredible teenagers that come from all walks of life. And then also a chorus of voices of young people that have added to the project that has an accompanying podcast, the same name called Our Turn to Talk. So check it out. And we're in production on season two of the podcast.
1: Right. I mean, so many great resources have come out of this as a result where you're hitting a lot of different mediums, your audio, video, film, short, long, I think it's great because everybody consumes things and listens to things in different ways and different things resonate with different people. So I think one of the great things is just the number of avenues that you're helping people is really amazing. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable. Jennifer, this is the Midland Money Mindset and we are about joy here. So we ask each of our guests the same last question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success.
0: Oh, I love that question, Larry. So I woke up this morning and started a watercolor painting. So watercolor has been my therapy over the past year and a half. Well, actually, I taught myself watercolor over the pandemic. So I guess it's been two and a half years, but I started a watercolor painting and I didn't quite get finished because my neighbor invited me to go on a walk. So two things I did, watercolor and walk. And that really set me up for success today.
1: And what did you start painting? I got to ask that. Was it flowers or something else? What was it?
0: I do paint a lot of flowers, but this was a colorful cacti. So it's got all kinds of branches with all kinds of beautiful colors. So I can't wait to see how it turns out.
1: Nice. Well, good luck with that. I think those are some great things to start off the day. We will have all of your information in the show notes, Jennifer, but if people want to find you, connect with you, learn more about you, or this is my brave or the other projects that you're working on, what's the easiest and best way for them to do that?
0: Easiest, best way is my website. So it's just jennifermarshall.me. Also, I'm most active when I am on social media, most active on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is Jen Marshall writes with two N's.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I definitely think that that along with everything that you're working on has been, will be, and is amazingly helpful to countless people, whether you know about them or not, I'm sure that it's helping a lot of others out there. And I appreciate you being vulnerable and telling your story because I think it's like people like you, people like me who are telling our story and sharing it. It's only going to help make the world a better place and make people feel more comfortable about having conversations about their own mental health. So I thank you and applaud you for that. And it's been a great pleasure having you on the show. I thank you for taking out the time and make it a great day. Thanks, Larry. I want to thank Jennifer Marshall for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Jennifer has taken her own story and used it as a way to help countless others. Normalizing the conversation is what she has set out to do, and it is working. The world needs more people like Jennifer who are willing to put themselves out there for the benefit of others. Jennifer's work is helping reduce stigma and create an environment for many people to follow her lead and share their stories too, showing the impact of This Is My Brave. Jennifer Marshall and This Is My Brave can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right